Let's worship the Lord today. Oh God. 
Now I'm going to ask Jordan and Autumn Johnson if they'll come forward with their little baby boy, their little girl. We've already dedicated a little area. We have the privilege of dedicating Jasper Paul Johnson this morning. Autumn, show off your little boy here. Here he is. We're so thankful he doesn't look like his grandpa Bobby Johnson. Amen. Let's just thank God for that. All right, first and foremost. I'm just picking, guys. But uh, love you both. Um, Jordan, we've been to church here. Uh, well, you've been here since I've been here. As a matter of fact, when I was a teenager, or well, not, maybe not a teenager, a little bit older than that, I'd come to East Hillsville on Monday nights, wasn't a member of the church, and shoot basketball. Bobby would play, David Davis, Baron Tig, a lot of those guys. And they had something called halftime where they'd share their, the gospel, share their testimonies and things like that. And as a little boy, blonde-headed boy, would be dribbling the ball all over the gym, and that was Jordan. And a little did I know I'd become his pastor and just honored to, uh, to dedicate little Jasper this morning. Jesus says this, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And what's going to happen now, Autumn and Jordan, before their family and friends and the Lord this morning, are going to make a covenant to raise Jasper in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And I'm going to ask you a question, and if it's a desire of your heart, respond by saying we do. In presenting Jasper to the Lord, do you promise through God's grace and the help of the church to teach your child the truths of the Christian faith? Do you also promise through prayer, word, and example to bring Jasper up in the nurture, discipline, and instruction of our Lord? And congregation, as you know, it takes a church to raise a child, and many of you will have Jasper in extended session, Awana, I think he wants me, Awana, um, youth ministry, all these things, and uh, we, we, we like to encourage the family as well, so I'm going to ask you a qu question, and if it's the desire of your heart, respond by saying we do, do you promise to provide spiritual instruction for Jasper by giving of your time, talent, and resources to help him come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, do you promise to pray for Jordan and Autumn as they seek to raise Jasper in the fear and admonition of the Lord? Do Thank you very much. Well, we have several things we want to give you. We have a Bible here that has today's date on it. We have the Lamb's Book. And as I mentioned, this uh, perfectly, well, not perfectly, no book's perfect but the Bible. But it really um, kind of explains the gospel just about as good as any book can. It's not just a children's book. It's good for adults. So if you have a lost loved one who just wants to understand why Jesus uh, died and rose from the dead for our salvation, this is a good book. And we, we know that you'll go through that with your children. This is a certificate of dedication, talking about today and today's dedication we also have a little ETBC uh, Children's Ministry t-shirt we're going to give you. And then this is a letter that I've written to Jasper, and it's for his eyes only. And he's, uh, he's to open this on the day that he prays to receive Christ. And it talks about this day. It talks about the covenant that his mom and dad made, about how the church is going to pray for him and do everything in our humanly possible to help him to come to know Jesus Christ. It also mentions that we pray today. And when we dedicate a child, that doesn't save the child at all. Okay, but what we do is we pray for the child's salvation. There's nothing more important in your life and in the life of a child than their salvation. Amen. And that's what we're going to pray for today. So let's pray together. Fathers, we come to you in prayer. Lord, I want to thank you for Jordan and Autumn. Lord, I just pray that you continue to bless their marriage. Father, we want to thank you for the birth of Jasper. And Father, we pray for his salvation now. Uh, Father, we pray that you'd save him at an early age. And Lord, we pray that you'd use him for your honor and for your glory. And Father, I pray that because of this family, Lord, and because of this child, that the name of Jesus Christ would be glorified and the kingdom of God would be expanded. And Father, I want to thank you for Jordan and Autumn for what they mean to me personally and their family. 
Lord, just want to thank you so much for them and the influence that they've had in my life. And Father, we thank you for this day. So Father, today we pray in the name of Jesus for Jasper's salvation and all of God's people said together, amen. God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. God bless you. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Take it down. with us today.
and happy Mother's Day to you mothers. Uh, I want to invite you to come this morning and help me pray for some of our members. Uh, uh, Sandra Arms has been sick for a few weeks, and Michael and I talked this morning, and he asked for our prayers, and she needs our prayers. So I want to invite you to come this morning and pray for Sandra and Michael and what they're going through. And also I want to remember Tim Childress and Bobby Norton as they're at home recovering. And, and, and I want to pray for an event that my son Graham's doing in Kansas City, Kansas. It's called The Sin. They're having over 55,000 people in the Kansas City, Kansas City Stadium. They're going to be doing that uh, May the 14th. So I want you to be praying for that event as they reach out into the community and in the city there and they share the gospel and, and encourage the church to share the gospel and live the gospel at home. So I'd like you to pray for Graham and as he's helping coordinate that event. So would you come this morning and join me in prayer? Please come. when we know you we'll never be the same we thank you Lord for the honor and the privilege to know you as Savior and Lord and Father we want to tell you that we love you we want to thank you for good and godly mothers this morning Lord they have helped us to live life and to know you and they've introduced us to the Savior early in life and we want to thank you for that Lord, help us not to take for granted for those who walked the path before us and prayed for us when we were lost and introduced us to you. And Father, we want to thank you for that. Father, this morning I want to pray for Sandra that you'd be with her. Lord, be with the attending physician as Lord as they have tests this week. Bless her and Michael and the family. God, I pray you'd uh, have answers and bring healing and help to her. And Father, I want to pray for Tim and Bobby as they're at home recovering. Continue to bless them and be with them as they're at home. And Father, I want to pray for Graham and for the sin in May, this just in a week or so. Father, there are going to be thousands of people that will be encouraged to share the gospel and live the gospel in their communities and throughout the world. And Father, they're praying for this nation. And oh God, how we need to be praying for our nation. How do we need to be praying for our homes and our families? Lord, we need to be looking up because our redemption is drawing near. Lord, you're, you're closer coming than ever before and father help us to be a prepared people lord for heaven and father we love you this morning thank you for loving us would you bless this time would you bless the rest of this service and may you be glorified and may we love you in an expression of praise and honor and glory in jesus name we pray amen
Well, as the choir comes down, uh, we're going to take a special time in the service to recognize one of our students, and um, I'm going to call Chris Russell up to the stage. Um, this, this year, we were able to start back Awana back in November, and we just kind of got everybody together, recruited some new people, got started, and we ended up finishing Awana this year with 70-plus students. That's just kindergarten, or pre-K up to fifth grade, so I want to say thank you to all of our Awana leaders. Um, you guys stepped in and stepped up and came in every week and served and grinded with us, and we were able to um, have a very successful Awana year. Um, and we have one student in particular who has kind of reached the pinnacle of what you can achieve in Awana. And uh, so I want to have Chris Russell come up and, and recognize this student uh, as the commander. Thank you, Chris, for being the commander. Thank you, Tracy, as well, for tag teaming with him. And uh, he's going to explain to you what the award is and how he was able to achieve it and then recognize him. Good morning. Boy, it's a high hour in your church when you can honor your students. And uh, we should never overlook that. And this morning we do have the great honor of uh, honoring one of our students. I do want to take just an opportunity, we didn't have an award ceremony this year, to recognize our Awana workers. And so if you are a leader, if you were a listener, if you were a director, if you helped in council time, if you did game time, uh, if you were a secretary, uh, I think that pretty much covered everybody but me. Would you stand, please, if you served in Awana this year? Thank you very much. We'd also like to recognize our students. If you came to Awana this year, our numbers were strong. We didn't know what to expect when we started Awana back up, and the kids just came back with very strong numbers, and they worked so hard this year. So if you were a student in Awana this year, would you stand? Thank you. And I'm going to take this a step farther. I didn't tell Jamie I was going to do this, but uh, we began the Awana program at East Hubble Baptist Church in 1979, uh, back when I was a kid. And I have been involved in the Awana program since I was skinny and had hair, and, uh, <laughs> which now I have neither. Uh, but uh, anyway, over the past 40 years of the Awana program, if you have served in one aspect or another uh, in Awana as a leader or director or commander, uh, would you stand any time during the 40-year period? Would you stand? The students and some of the leaders that we have now are the legacy of what you guys have left behind. And uh, you should be proud of that. I had three ladies I want to recognize this morning, very quickly, that came to mind when I thought about the 40-year heritage of the water program. And that's Miss Peggy Fry in Cubbies, Tracy Russell in Sparks, and Miss Gail Mossholder. These ladies put 30 years into the water program, and I want them to stand individually. Thank you, ladies. Now, on to what, we're, what I was supposed to do to start with. Uh, the uh, Timothy Award is the most prestigious and highest award, of the, uh, award that Awana has to offer. To achieve this award, you must start with Cubbies as a three-year-old, and you must complete every book, every activity, every exercise until fifth grade when you finish TNT. In the process of doing this, a student will commit to memory over 300 Bible verses. We can't overlook the emphasis of this because these Bible verses are going to lead, guide, and direct these students for the rest of their lives. 
it's going to impact them for the rest of their lives. And we have one student this morning that done a very exceptional job. We haven't had a winner for two years because of the pandemic. And you guys need to recognize that this student chose to do this work at home. He did it at home. He didn't have to, but he did it at home. He didn't know if the water program would start back up or not, but he done it anyway. And as Jacob Huffman is making his way up here, come up here and stand beside me, Jake. I'd like to recognize his uh, family. Jacob Huffman's son is Robert and Dana Huffman, if you guys would please stand. The two older brothers, Luke and Adam. Grandparents, Ken and Millie King, Dale Chapman, Gary and Carolyn Mann, Jerry and Joyce Huffman. Jacob is a fifth grade student, Wittenberg Elementary, enjoys playing football and golf. Tracy done good, didn't she? Jacob Huffman, it is my honor as commander of the 2022 Awana year to present you with Awana's highest award, the Timothy. Congratulations, Jacob, and I just want to say to his parents, uh, Robbie and Dana, congratulations as well. Uh, Robbie, I had classes with Robbie at the high school, CVCC, so he got his smarts from his mom, okay? Just want y'all to know that. No, congratulations. Um, if you're involved in Awana, we want to thank you. Awana is where the, these, these children are learning the Bible. Most of our Awana students can quote Bible better than probably most of us just to be honest with you. So thank you so much. And I want to thank Justin. I want to thank the deacons as well. We, we, we talked about Awana starting back up in January. You know, during the whole COVID situation, we've just had to make some tough decisions. And uh, we didn't even know if Awana would take off. I said, well, let's try it. And if it don't work, it don't work. Well, it worked. And I just want to thank all the uh, Awana workers. Uh, thank you so much for what you do. Uh, I think what, you do, what you're doing is eternal. A lot of people live their whole lives and they'll spend money They'll work in jobs. They'll do things that have no eternal significance whatsoever. And every Sunday night you're meeting with these children studying Bible verses. That's eternal. So thank you so much for that. Uh, we've been going through a series uh, called Questions and Answers. When I started this series, we looked at questions like, do babies go to heaven if they die? What about miscarried babies? I, I was shocked to know the number of people that was in church that day that had been through similar situations and thanked me so much for that message. What kind of bodies will we have when we come back to this earth and live with Jesus? That, that excites me. Every time I wake up in the morning, I'm like, it's not going to be like this forever. Amen? All right. Last week, we looked at this. Okay. Why do I give money to this church, and where does the money go? Aren't you thankful to know? I mean, aren't you thankful to know? I would never be a part of a church that, that, and give money to a church that I did not trust 100%. And last week we looked at how the majority of the money here at East Tableville Baptist Church goes to missions and ministry. And I want to thank the leadership here for, uh, you know, we have a budget we go by. We have an executive pastor who, who we have great checks and balances here. And if you ever have any questions about giving or things like that, you can contact me anytime. But today on Mother's Day, happy Mother's Day, moms. Thank you so much for the influence and the impact that you have on children and not just children, but literally the entire world. 
uh, thank you so much for what you do. But today we're going to talk about marriage. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis chapter 2 and stand. And the question this morning we're going to answer is, how can I have a great marriage? How can I have a great marriage? And as you're finding Genesis chapter 2, think about this. These four statements by Jimmy Evans. And I love Jimmy Evans' teaching. And if you're here at any time when we have classes, eventually we'll do a Jimmy Evans study. He says this, four statements about marriage. Good marriages don't just happen. Just because you have a nice wedding does not mean you're going to have a good marriage, right? They're the result of a lot of prayer and hard work. Number two, most marriages could significantly improve with just a little effort. Did you hear that? Most marriages could get better with just a little, little effort. Since marriage was God's idea, the first step to improving your marriage is to find out what God says about how your marriage should work. And today's just basics we're going to look at. Since your marriage, number four, listen to this. Since your marriage is the greatest single investment you'll ever make, you ought to do whatever you can to protect that investment. Amen? You should do whatever you can to protect that investment. Let's pray together. Father, as we come to you in prayer, we want to thank you for this day, for your word. And Father, we pray that you be honored and glorified through all that's said and done. If you have your Bibles in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every bird of the air, and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was his name. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place, then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman. And he brought her to the man, and Adam said this, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife. They were not ashamed. Thank you so much. You may be seated. I don't know of anybody who doesn't love a great love story. As a matter of fact, one of the... Uh, highest grossing films of all time was Titanic about a boat sinking. Okay, so why would people watch a film about a boat sinking all over the world? It's because the, that film is not about a boat sinking, is it? It's about a love story between a man and a woman. And one of the greatest love stories of all time is found in Genesis chapter 2. Tony Evans said this, why this is so important. Isn't it amazing that God instituted marriage before he did the church? He started with a family. The first institution attacked in the Bible was a marriage, okay? So, so if you want to be married in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, you're, on, you're, you're basically entering into spiritual warfare. Tony Evans said this, marriage is the center of the family, and the family is the center of society. When the institution of marriage is strong, the home is strong, the church is strong, the city is strong, and the nation is strong. And we're always reminded that marriage is a picture of, of our union with Christ. So these, there's three things I want to mention this morning real quickly. The first one is this, to have a great marriage, you must have companionship. Notice what verse 19 says. God says this, and the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. In chapters 1 and 2, God inspired Moses, who was, you know, when I hear, when I talk to people about the Bible, I'm just amazed at how ignorant people can be. They'll say it was just a man in a desert. I'm like, do you realize how smart Moses was, to be educated under Pharaoh. Just check the history of the Egyptians. Do you think any of you could build a pyramid? 
you can't, you're not smart enough. As a matter of fact, there's nobody today with all the technology that we have could, could even do that. And, and Stephen, when he was preaching to the Jewish leaders, he said, Moses, educated by the Egyptians, and they understood what that meant, comma, a man of mighty words and deeds. And what he was saying was he was very intelligent, and he writes the first five books of the Bible. Moses makes it simple for us. Moses could have wrote this much on the creation, but he writes this much because he knows how we are. Okay? Then when it comes to marriage, he just keeps it simple, doesn't he? And he says this, it's God, as God was creating all these things, he would say, that is good, that is good, that is good. And then we saw Adam by himself, he said, that's not good. Man needs companionship. It was not good for Adam to be alone. Think about this. God's purpose for Adam was to be married to a woman. So God makes a helper comparable to him. Look at the word helper. In the Hebrew, the word that Moses used could be translated someone who assists another to reach fulfillment. It is used elsewhere in the Old Testament when referring to someone coming to the rescue of another. Some people use that and say it kind of puts women on this level. No, it doesn't. As a matter of fact, God uses this word about himself in Psalm 46.1. I, I read this a lot at, at funerals. It says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. One scholar says, a helper, as the word is used here, is one who supplies what is lacking in another. God created Eve to do what Adam could not do by himself. It's not that the man is better than the woman or the woman is better than the man, but that each one is inadequate alone. That's how God designed the marriage relationship. The husband and the wife both need each other. Matthew Henry put it this way. He said, Eve was made by God not out of Adam's head to rule over him, nor out of his feet to be trampled upon by him, but out of his side to be equal with him and under his arm to be protected near his heart. Think about how different your life would be if you were not married right now. Without the influence of your uh, spouse, not only was, it, was she his helper, but the Bible says she was comparable to him, which could also be translated suitable to him or more literally corresponding to him. Eve would provide what was missing in Adam's life. Uh, life. That's why God didn't give Adam a man. And that's why God didn't make Eve first and give her a woman, because they're not comparable. Uh, two men cannot become one, and two women cannot become one, as we'll talk about in just a moment. But a man and a woman can become one. Uh, two women can't reproduce on their own, neither can two men, but a man and a woman can. Proverbs 18.22 says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. That's how Adam thought about it. That word good in the Hebrew means the best. That's the word that they had for the best. And basically what Solomon was saying to his son in Proverbs is this. If you find a wife, other than Jesus, it's the best thing that you could do. It's find a wife. So God's purpose for Adam was to be married to a woman. The second thing here under companionship is that marriage was ordained by God. Look at verse 22. It says that God brought her to the man. It's almost like, you know, one of the most exciting times in a, in a, a marriage or a wedding ceremony is of course when the bride walks down. Okay, she walks down with her dad usually, that's how it is. And they come up to this spot, and then I'll say this. I'll say a few things about marriage, and then I'll say, who gives this woman to be married to this man? And then the dad will say, her mother and I. Kiss her on the cheek. You, you know what he's doing? Uh, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 7 that when that happens, basically what the dad is saying, listen men, is that he loves his daughter more than at that moment, more than the guy, probably. Even though he loves her, he wouldn't marry her. And he's saying, look, look I'm going to give up my responsibility to this person. 
Men, look at me. What a huge honor for a man to give his daughter to you. Think about that for a moment. I trust this guy so much that I'm going to give him my daughter. I'm giving my daughter to you. Okay. Now, I've seen some men hold on tight at that, that moment. I've, 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 I've seen some men come down going, too late now, Pops. <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But that's what he's saying. God brought Eve the perfect woman for Adam. Perfect. And what God was basically saying is this, Adam, this is the woman I want for you. Adam's wife was in the mind of God long before she was in the arms of Adam. How often do you pray for your children's spouse? Marriage was ordained by God from the start. And then marriage is to be happy. Think about this for a minute. Everything else is a poor substitute for human companionship. For Adam, even the perfections of the Garden of Eden, the joy of working there, they had a perfect environment, but still something was missing. I remember this quote by Billy Joel years ago. I think he was in his 50s. You know, he, he, made, he made this statement. At that time, he had over 20 top 40 hits, and he says this about marriage and family. I, I remember keeping this quote. He said, The happiest times in my life are when my relationships are going well. But in my whole life, this was at that time, I haven't met the person I can sustain a relationship with yet. So I'm discontented about that. I'm angry with myself. I have regrets. And then he says this, You don't get hugged by the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You don't have children with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I want what everyone else wants, to be loved and to be loved and to have a family. And God said, for Adam and Eve, I want you to have a happy marriage. Now notice verse, verse 23, notice what Adam says when he sees Eve. Now he'd been seeing animals, right? And then he sees a naked woman, all right? And he says, this is now. Look at the words that Moses uses. That's, a, that's just a really simple translation. It's like Adam was jumping up and down and saying, there she is. She's not a giraffe. Well, that's not an elephant right there. That is not an elephant. That is not a donkey. That is not. And he's going, whoa, man. That's what he said. This is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. That's what he was doing. That, that's the, the, in the Hebrew, those three words are just like, they say it's hard to translate because the excitement in Adam was so great. Let, let me ask you a question. Adam is happy to be married. Do you believe God wants you to have a happy marriage? Just don't be like the woman that went to Winston Churchill one time. A lady came up to Winston Churchill one day and she said, if I were your wife, I'd put arsenic in your tea. And Churchill said, ma'am, if you were my wife, I'd drink it. Okay, we don't want that, do we? We don't want that. Think about a happy marriage. Think about it, okay? People in happy marriages, these, I got these stats from non-Christian scientists, if you will. I said, I'm just going to read... What, what the world has to say. And they say this, Unha in an unhappy marriage, you can increase your chances of getting sick by roughly 35%, even shorten your life by an average of four to eight years. The flip side is this, people who are happily married live longer, they live healthier lives than either divorced people or those who are un unhappily married. People in happy marriages live between four to eight years longer. And I can say this without hesitation, that marriage God's way next to salvation itself is the most fulfilling, wonderful thing that I know. When your marriage is happy, you can face anything. You can face physical problems together. You can face financial problems together. You can face tragedy, listen, together. 
Think about some tragic event happening in your family, and then you're not happily married. Wouldn't that be awful? Wouldn't that kind of make, just, just exasperate the whole thing even worse? That's why Solomon told his son, and it's a man talking to his son, so a woman talking to her daughter could have said just the opposite, meaning the same thing. And he said, son, listen. Basically what he was saying is this, a bad wife is like cancer to your bones. That's what he said. So is your marriage happy? Are you happy? And if not, why not? Why isn't it? I don't want, there's two places, I say this all the time, I don't want drama, okay? In this church, who wants to come to church with drama? Anybody? Okay, in my house. I don't want to go home with drama, right? As best I can. Is your marriage happy? Companionship, do you love each other? When, when Paul was writing to Titus on the island of Crete, right, that beautiful place, he said, teach the older women to teach the younger women to love their husbands. That word love means brotherly love. It's different than the love for passion and agape. And what he was saying is this, tell them to enjoy spending time together. Tell them to enjoy being together. Tell them to have fun in their marriage and to be happy together. Companionship. The second one is cleaving. Notice, cleaving. Notice verse 24, I believe it is on the screen. Therefore a man shall look at the word leave. So right here we're going to look at leaving and cleaving his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Tremendous theology in one verse. It's amazing. So you got leaving your father and mother. It does not say terminate the relationship. It's saying you're to disconnect yourself from loyalty to your parents, priorities, traditions, rules, and influence. Your number one relationship in life should be Jesus, the second your spouse, the third your children, and fourth your parents. Leaving. When I do marriage counseling now, this is what I'll mention. People... It's funny how you young couples will laugh when I say this. And I'll say, what kind of influence will the in-laws have in your relationship? Let us start laughing. Ah, silly preacher. Let's talk about this, that, or the other. Okay? And I'll say, okay, uh, when you get up on Christmas, your first Christmas together, you're going to have all this fun right at home. Then where do you go next? And every man will say, well, it's our tradition at 9 o'clock to go to mom's. And she'll say, well, it's our tradition at 9 o'clock to go to my mom's. And I'll go, really? Well, yeah. And I'll say, well, where are you going? Well, I don't know. I said, you hadn't thought about that? Where do you go on Thanksgiving? If you have a baby, who's going to get to keep the baby most of the time? Huh? If you have a fuss, who are you going to call? Leaving. Leaving. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. There's a whole new dynamic in your relationship. There's some strings that you have to cut when you get married. And one of those is the counseling string. Parents, you should initiate this. You shouldn't go running to mom and dad every time you have an argument. Amen? You just shouldn't. You sh they should be there. You should work it out yourself. Only give advice, parents, when asked or when something unscriptural is happening. This doesn't mean you never talk to them again. What it does mean is that your allegiance needs to change. Your loyalty now belongs to your spouse. And your spouse should never have to compete with your parents. Me and your wife is not your mom. Ladies, your husband is not your dad. They are who they are. And the second thing I would say is this. You need to cut the economic strings as best you can. This doesn't mean you can't help your children. Most parents do. They don't need to be dependent upon you. I've, I've been at uh, wedding rehearsal meals where I've seen dads have a shoebox. And they'll bring the shoebox and say, 
to, the, to their future son-in-law, I got, I got one last gift I want to give you. And he'll say, it's a shoebox. And the guy's thinking, I'm getting some cool shoes. You know what's in the shoebox? All her bills. Congratulations. Here's all these bills because she's your wife now. Amen? All this stuff's hers. Every bit of it is hers. And I'm gladly going to give it to you. That's how it's supposed to work. You, I, I'm going to calculate. I don't have my phone. I'm going to calculate how much money I've taken from my mom since I've been married. I brought this up. Zero. Nothing. You know why? Because I'm a man, and I should be able to provide for my wife and my children. Amen? It's okay to bless your kids, is it not? Well, you should bless your kids. You shouldn't be dependent on your parents to raise you because they've already raised you. Leave. And then look at the word cleave. That means to be super glued or cemented together. The union is so strong that it takes something extremely violent. Listen. To dissolve it. When you become one, it takes something extremely violent to dissolve it. Notice, you become one flesh. Look at the word one. It's the same word used to describe God. Here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. The Hebrew, it means composite unity, not absolute unity, like the Trinity. Three equals one. In marriage, it's two equals one. Have you ever heard that after a while, see what you do is you become one physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Have you ever heard that after a while couples start to look like one another? Have you ever heard that? For some of y'all, I hope not, ladies. I'm holding out hope. I hope not. All right. When a married couple becomes one flesh, their hearts, their lives are knit together. That's the Hebrew term. It's a spiritual thing that takes place where you become one. Listen, on your wedding night, okay, this idea of oneness, it gives the idea of intimacy. As a matter of fact, notice what Jesus said in Matthew 19, 6. He said, they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined, look at the word joined together. Let no man separate. That's God's desire, okay? That doesn't mean you stay in an abusive relationship. Jesus said, if there's adultery, you have the right to leave that relationship. If there are other things, you know, you have that right, okay? I'm not talking about being hurt, harmed, beaten, all those things. Get out, okay? Get out, leave. You should. All right, But Jesus said this, basically, just because you're not happy, we'll get happy. People leave because they're just not happy. Jesus said you're no longer two, but you're one. Therefore, what God has put together, you took, you took vows, you made a covenant in front of God, your family and your friends, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. What God has put together, let no man separate. Because you become one. Paul writing to the church at Corinth, you know, when, he, when God planted the church in Corinth, okay, these people were so wicked and carnal that when they got saved, it took them a while to figure it out. And Paul was talking to them about their bodies and about intimacy, okay? Because a lot of them were being unfaithful to their spouses and they thought it was like some kind of uh, right that they had because that's what the culture did. And Paul says this, listen to what he says. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ when you got saved? You're part of Christ's body. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? What? You're going to take your body and make it a member. It's like you, you join a church, but now you're joining the harlot thing. But he, what he's saying is, physically, you're going to take this body that belongs to Jesus and give it to a harlot. Those are his words. He says, certainly not. Or do you know that he who is joined to a harlot, listen to this, is one body with her. See, every time they go to church at Corinth, they'd pass the temple. They had the temple prostitutes, and it's just normal for the guys to go in there. And Paul says, do you realize what you're doing? He said, listen, I'm going to tell you what you're doing. You're becoming one with that lady. That's what that word one means. 
It's not just intimacy. You become one with a person, and you give a part of yourself to that person forever. Forever. That's why God says the only intimacy that he ordains is between a man and a woman in the confines of marriage. Everybody talks about all these sexual sins. I said, well, anything not belonging between a man and a woman in marriage is. That's what it is. And that Paul says what you're doing is you're, is you're becoming one with another person. God says for married couples to be intimate with each other. Growing closer on a relationship level, also growing closer on a physical level, a major cause of divorce and frustration in marriage is because couples quit becoming one. Are you one in your marriage? Or are you growing closer or further apart? I used to put up here on the screen a triangle. I'd have man or husband, wife here, and then Jesus at the top, and I'd say the closer you get to Jesus, the closer you'll be to each other. And see, when you love your spouse, you're to, you're to love your spouse, and you'll only love them on the basis of how much you love Jesus. The final thing is this, covenant. When two Christians get married, they make vows, and those vows are sacrificial covenant vows. Listen to what I usually share in just about every wedding that I officiate. They'll, they'll say their names, and I'll say, Jamie, do you take Renee to be your lawfully wedded wife? And then I'll say this, to have and to hold. From this day forward, that's a covenant. Okay, from this day forward is what I'm asking. For better, for worse. For better, for worse. You're going to have a lot of better days and a lot of worse days in your marriage, right? Are you going to leave when they're worse? Because you're just not happy? Because you're just not happy? For richer, for poorer. You're going to have money sometimes, sometimes you're not. Okay? In sickness and in health, what if he or she gets sick? What are you going to do? To love and to cherish until death do us part. And then we close with this. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This means a lot to God. It means everything. And really back in Jesus' day, in his day, when they would come together like this and say their vows, they would do it to, the, to their family and friends. And they'd say, listen, I'm marrying your daughter. And he'd look at the dad and say, it doesn't matter if she gets sick, whatever. I'm going to take care of your daughter. I promised in the name of Jesus I'm going to do it. I'm going to try to provide for your daughter. I'm going to forsake all the women in this town, and I'm not going to pursue them because I'm going to pursue your daughter. I'll, I'll make a promise to you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. She'd do the same thing. That's a covenant. That's why Jesus said what God joins together, let no man dissolve it. You remember when I talked about becoming one, it would take a violent act to dissolve it. Okay? A violent act to dissolve it. Remember your covenant. Remember your covenant. This means a lot to God. Adam made a covenant with Eve and the Lord, and Adam only lived to be 930 years old. He had married a while. You think they had some bad days in there? They probably had some bad days. But notice this verse. This is what kept them going. Look, they were both naked. Don't that make you cringe? I never took showers in the high school shower. I'm just not getting naked in front of other men. Amen? Have you ever been to get a physical and a woman nurse will come in and say, take off all your clothes? And I'm like, no, I don't even know you, ma'am. I don't even know you. I'm not taking my clothes off in front of you. I'm sorry. Okay? Look, they were both naked, the man and his wife, and look, we're not ashamed. You know what that word naked just basically means? It means they weren't hiding anything from each other. No deceit in that marriage. No deceit in that marriage. They were both naked and not ashamed because they were honest with each other. Perfect environment. 
and they were naked and not ashamed. When is the last time you and your spouse have just been completely honest with each other? That's what a covenant is. I, everything I have is yours. Everything you have is mine. Everything you, anything you want to know about me, I'll tell you. Anything I want to know about you, you should tell me because I love you. Final thoughts are these, and I'm going to go through these really quickly. This will help your life. Date and marry a Christian. Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness. That's not a suggestion. I always hear this from time to time. It's called missionary dating. I'm going to date him and lead him to Jesus. Probably not. You could, but you're probably not. Probably not going to happen. And I would encourage you to get off the mission field if that's your kind of missionary activity. Because you know why? And I would say this to you, especially you ladies. Listen, date a Christian. Everybody in Alexander County says they're born again. Everybody. I hadn't met a lost, lost person here, I don't think. Not much. I've been here my whole life. You can have the biggest, rambunctious guy in the world, and he's gonna, if I go to the jail to see him, he's going to tell me he got saved. I'm talking about marry somebody that's not lukewarm. You know what God said about a lukewarm church? I'm just going to spit them out of my mouth. Why would you want a relationship like that? Don't. Find somebody that loves Jesus as much as you do, male and female. Marry and date a Christian. Number two, don't cheat. Look at, look at that. Don't cheat. Alexander County, don't cheat. Most of my counseling with adults my age, look at me, my age. Think about it. Do you realize how much deception, planning, thought process goes into committing adultery on your spouse? That stuff don't happen. That's not a mistake. What are you, seven? I have people come in my office, preacher's a mistake. It was. You've been doing a mistake for three months. You met two hours away in a hotel. You bought a, you, you bought a phone that's just you and her have. Oh, yeah, that's a mistake. No, you planned this out. Number one reason people leave this church is adultery. Number one. It's, it's funny to me that people leave and they'll say all these things, and when it comes right down to it, this is what's happened. For the most part, not every time. I'm talking people my age. My age. I'm 52 years old. What in the world is going on in Alexander County? Don't cheat. And then finally realize this, you can't change your spouse. I remember when uh, Josh and Trish Davis were here, and they, he was a pastor, he cheated on his wife, and they, they finally got back together and made things right, and they started going around telling churches kind of about their situation. And then basically what they said was this, we, we got some victory in our lives when we both realized we couldn't change each other. Now listen to what, what they say. I think this is him speaking. He says, I wish I could have back the time, the amount of time and energy and emotions Trisha and I have spent believing that we could change each other. We thought if we yelled loud enough, made our point strong enough, were right enough, slammed the door hard enough, they would change. It never works, does it? It never works. Has yelling ever helped any relationship ever? Slamming the door? It never worked. When you and I assume the responsibility to change the heart of our spouse, we assume the role of God in our marriage. You can't do it. You can't change your spouse. Can I just set you free from something? You don't have the power to change a human heart. Only God does. The best advice I can give 
that will transform your marriage is to pray for your spouse and ask God to change you. You can't change your spouse. He goes on to say this, your marriage may have been going through a difficult season, but there's still hope. Your marriage can find life again. It has to start with putting Jesus at the center of it all. I'm going to ask your musicians to come, and if you will, just stand with me for just a moment. And as they play softly, if you'll stand with me, we're going to go into a time of prayer. And if you're here today and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, this altar is open. The Bible says that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But I want everybody to bow your heads and close your eyes. And this is the prayer. You don't pray it out loud. But pray this, these three things. The first one is this. God, bless my marriage in these areas. God, bless my marriage or help me in my marriage in these areas. God, bless my marriage in these areas. Second thing, God, as a spouse, help me in these areas of my life. God, help me. And then pray this. Thank you, Jesus, for my spouse. And then would you silently pray for your spouse now? Pray for their well-being. Pray that God would bless them physically, spiritually. Thank God for your spouse. And if you never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, ask Him to save you now. We confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised Him from the dead. We will be saved. You can be born again today. Father, as we come to you in prayer and as we come to a close of this service, Father, I pray for all the marriages represented here this morning. And Father, I pray that you would bless. Father, we don't know what we're going to face tomorrow. We don't know. Lord, I have been challenged, encouraged, influenced by seeing husbands and wives go through some of the deepest, darkest waters and still love each other and love you. Father, thank you for the people you put in my life here at East Hillsville Baptist Church. It's encouraged me so much to see a man and a woman love each other and love Jesus through through some really, really hard times and stay faithful to you. Father, we all fall short. None of us are the spouse that we should be or could be. But Lord, you help us today to bring honor and glory to your name by loving our spouse as you love us and love the church. And Father, we'll forever thank you for what you do for us. And we give you the honor and the glory that you alone deserve. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people said together. God bless you. I hope everyone has a great Sunday afternoon. Remind you there is no church services tonight. And uh, mothers, happy Mother's Day. We love you. Thank you for all that you do for us. God bless you and you're dismissed.